This is the John Oakley Show podcast. I wanted to get back to this idea, though, the Iranians, and uh, because of this uh, tragic mass murder, I keep calling it, I want to emphasize that point. I think therein lies the key. Uh, since it is mass murder, they may be complicit in a crime of epic proportions, which we've seen uh, by way of precedent can lead to uh, an international class action lawsuit. What are the prospects of that? Let's find out. Joe Newberger's on the line, Global News Radio's legal expert with Newberger and Partners. Joe, good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. How are you? Very good. Uh, but kind of curious. I mean, should the families of the victims file a class action? Uh, I don't know if it's wrongful death or willful negligence or whatever. Could they? Well, I mean, theoretically, they could bind together at least the... Uh all of the victims' families could bind together to try and start an action. It would be a little unruly to try and do it from different countries. But let's say the families of the Canadians who were killed on the flight could band together. The greater issue is the jurisdiction. So, you know, although there is an international court, um, which is the highest court uh, in the world, uh, it has um, no particular power to enforce any type of judgment from the ICJ. And so even if there was a judgment, um, they would not be able to enforce it against Iran. And Iran itself um, takes a position of their own sovereign immunity um, and that you know their state cannot be sued for acts of you know their own political and uh, sovereign choice. So Yes, they can theoretically do it, but you are dealing with a very closed type of country, which uh, to a large extent doesn't, ex- you know, does not respect human rights, etc. So I think it's a symbolic move as opposed to one which would be of any type of financial value or even, you know, emotional value to families. Well, that surprises me uh, that you can't necessarily sue international bad actors or somebody who may be uh, willfully negligent because negligent because uh, there was this case, as I was reading earlier, uh, the USS Vincennes in uh, the Gulf, uh, the Persian Gulf back in 88, uh, when that gunboat uh, shredded basically uh, with their guns, the uh, Iranian airliner flying from Tehran to Dubai and killed all 290 on board. They were sued. Uh, the U.S., I guess, was for two, uh, something like $62 million they paid out. Yeah, but that's the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. Oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the United States, Canada, Great Britain, Australia, other countries that will respect international judgments and other courts of other jurisdictions can try and take a jurisdiction to sue another country. And you will see countries like the United States and Canada be respectful of judgments and actually enter into negotiations and sometimes settlement or, or respect judgments. Uh, I'm, I'm just not as, um, uh, you know, I, I don't have the same sentiment when it comes to the Iranian government honoring any type of a, a judgment from an international court. That's just my opinion myself. But what about the Magnitsky Act? And uh, this was something that was cited earlier. Erwin Kotler, former justice minister, was a big proponent. Uh, this put in place to seize assets of bad actors where you couldn't reach them in their own domestic countries, as it were uh, the case, I guess, in Russia. Uh, could we pursue something along those lines? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, again, in Canada, you could, that's why I was saying it would be easier if the people within Canada would bind together and start an action, and then the jurisdiction could be taken in Canada and try and seize assets that's held by the Iranian government here. So there are bank accounts, et cetera. 
But there are also um, issues with respect to sovereignty and jurisdiction over accounts that they may have, uh, and there's diplomatic issues. So I'm not saying it shouldn't be done. I'm just not. Um, I, I'm, I'm so concerned about the reckless nature of the acts uh, and the deaths that have ensued. And I don't feel that, you know, especially when you have a country that's denying liability in the case of fairly cogent evidence that a missile strike did put down this plane, that, you know, we're not going to see a whole lot of justice for, for the grieving families. Why is the international court such a paper tiger? Well, because, uh, you know, the reality is many do not want to sign on to an accord and be subject to an international court making decisions. So, for example, when the International Criminal Court uh, came into existence, many did not sign on because they don't want the international court making decisions about war crimes and going after their own uh, presidents or prime ministers. And so I think many countries around the world are very worried about their own sovereignty and their own ability to act in their own self-interest which now also rolls over into the civil side of things. And it's just because we don't have uh, a state right now of, when I mean state of affairs in the world, of common interests with common goals. We have uh, incredible conflict still in existence in 2020. Uh, and unfortunately, we're seeing uh, much more polarization than we had over the last decade. You know, you brought to mind something. I, I believe the Bush uh, administration was resistant to the international court, too, feeling he might have been vulnerable if they wanted to proceed uh, against him as a war criminal back in Iraq. Absolutely correct. Yeah. Uh, on the other matter, though, seizing assets and whatever else, I mean, uh, you're saying anywhere in any jurisdiction that wouldn't be possible to do then? No, you, you can do it. I mean, for example, the United States has, has a history of that. So if you have U.S. victims, the U.S. court will take jurisdiction and will go after assets within their country. Canada could similarly do the same thing. Um, you're going to have to get, you know, you'll have to track the accounts. And then there are issues with respect to, uh, you know, the country's sovereignty and the rule over the money. And you, you can do that. And I think something has to be done here. Um, but uh, when you're dealing with a state actor like a country like Iran, which uh, there's a lot of fair criticism about their reflection of human rights and their uh, commitment to international law, uh, you're going to be in for a prolonged battle for these families. And I think stage one right now is to try and get uh, some sort of coherent uh, result from an investigation that's being held in Iran. And, you know, we all have uh, considerable concerns about how the uh, markings, you know, how they were dealing with the uh, site where the uh, debris was found, et cetera. So, I mean, I think this is going to unfold so uh, slowly. And hopefully the truth will come out uh, in the sense that there will be very strong, compelling evidence that will be impossible for Iran to um, to refute. The, the other issue just to consider in any type of action is, was this a willful act or was this um, an act which occurred within a moment of international war? Um, and it was uh, an error that was not intentional. So that, although they're negligent, but I mean, that's another factor to take into consideration if, in fact, they were acting in self-defense at that time. So fog of war is almost a plausible excuse? Sorry, fog of war? Yeah. Yeah, no, I've heard that term, and, and my hair was standing up on the back of my neck because, uh, you know, I'm glad you're picking up on that. I mean, th those were the issues they'll raise, but there was no... In my opinion, I'm just talking now as a normal human being, I mean, they, they launched 15 missiles into specific sites in Iraq. There was no immediate reprisal by anybody. There was no state of war declared. This was no fog. In fact, the you know, skies were clear. It's not like we were in World War II or, or the Iraqi war where there's troops engaged on an ongoing battle. 
So to use that as a defense, I think, is completely untenable. That being said, it's going to be raised that they're acting in their own self-defense and they're striking military targets in Iraq where U.S. troops are. So they're going to raise that issue as well, although I think it's just complete bunk. Or that they thought perhaps that airplane, I don't know, I'm just projecting now what could possibly be their plausible deniability uh, that they're, they feared an attack, and so whatever the signature, the heat signature from this airplane, and uh, they went after it. But uh, it seems to me that the airplane was actually ascending, not coming in for a, a kill shot or anything like that. However, we'll have to wait and see how this plays out, but uh, as far as chasing after Iranian assets or whatever the response may be, uh, we'll hope it's a serious or severe one uh, rather than just trying to uh, figure out what went on and uh, leaving it at that. Yeah, I I agree. Always appreciate your time, Joe. Thanks so much. Have a great weekend. You too, John. Take care. Thank you. Joseph Neuberger, Global News Radio legal expert. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.